welcome back to Callum and David's Any Requests podcast. This is, of course, our weekly Patreon requested podcast where you, the listener, can donate £5 through our Patreon subscription and get us to do a podcast on anything you want. That is entirely correct, and I really like the way you said Patreon. 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 It's an old French word. Patreon. For when you give someone a small amount of money for... um, um a large in-depth study of a very niche thing it doesn't have to be a small amount of money it's five pounds minimum so yeah anyone... why aren't you giving more guys <laughs> yeah. that's a really good point yeah i mean if anything we should be doing bad po- worse podcasts mm. for the worse money mm. yeah yeah which i think actually that's just what we've been doing isn't it just yeah. for a long period of time yeah um yeah we're back this week again with uh the wonderful Moonlighting. We are, and as we mentioned uh, last time we were uh, in the land of Moonlighting, uh, uh, Sylvan, our uh, lovely patron uh, who has uh, been requesting Moonlighting, um, had mentioned that we had been kind of cherry-picking sort of classic episodes, Mm -hmm. and um, uh, he'd quite like to know what we made of kind of uh, worse ones. So he had a suggestion last time. Uh, But for this week, I uh, did a little bit of research, and I found a few kind of worst episodes of moonlighting lists mm-hmm. and sort of did a bit of a cross-reference and the episode that seemed to appear on uh most lists uh was uh the episode uh episode seven of season five uh aired uh, february 14th uh valentine's day of course to some uh-huh. <laughs> to all to some <laughs> to some some people to those who celebrate it yeah, yeah some <laughs> those who uh, observe uh, valentine's <laughs> day <laughs> yes <laughs> of course um uh 1989, uh, and uh, it's called I See England, I See France, I See Maddie's Netherworld. Now, do you know why it's called that? Well, uh, it's an old sort of sort of playground rhyme, I think, that I think is more common in America than Ooh. over here. Uh, it's, uh, I See England, I See France, I See So-and-So's Underpants. Oh, but of course, you're American, you say France. France, so, so France and Pants. Yeah. Um, but then you wouldn't say underpants, though, either, would you? You'd say shorts. Say, me underwears. Of course you would if you were in the room. Yeah. Um, yeah um, a wonderful title uh, for a, a, a wonderfully kind of madcap, um, eccentric episode. Um, I think, you know, worth pointing out that both you and I have had possibly the busiest week we've had in two years. Absolutely. Um, it's It's been a whirlwind of a week, not mm. only with Saving Britney that, yeah. we, uh, that we mentioned last week. Um, you've had a fantastic week of that. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we, we opened uh, uh, to our first couple of nights uh, being sold out, which is incredible, lovely and a lot easier to say when you have to socially distance your audience because it means actually yeah. you're sold out at half capacity, which uh, <laughs> Fringe Theatre is yeah, You don't need to mention that, but do you? Yeah. No. Um, uh, but yeah, we've also had some lovely reviews come in, a lovely five-star review uh, from West End Wilmer, and really excitingly uh, and happily, we have been nominated for two Off West End Awards, uh, which is fab. Incredible. You um, said that very casually. Uh, uh, yeah. It is a very big deal. Very impressed indeed. So just wanted to take a moment there to acknowledge yeah. that. Thank you. Um, um, we are running until the 5th of June. So if you are listening to this and think, oh, I wonder what all the fuss is about, do please come to the Old Red Lion Theatre. Go see some French. Yeah. Uh, and then you could do a podcast about it and mm. uh, a nitpick at yeah. David's work. And then, yeah. you know, we'd know what it felt like. That's a good, um, that's a good idea. But it also means that uh, you and I... Have, can you on. imagine if someone now requests... Like someone requests us to, do to critique my own show and That'd I have be, to sit there and pull I'd, it all apart. I'd love that. Yeah. yeah. You'd be in pieces. Very meta. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, you, you of course, have been uh, working uh, at Rose Bruford College Drama School. I have been. On a, uh, their final show, which is a brand new show. Yeah, about it's the quite life exciting. And times of Victoria Woodhull. Victoria Woodhull, fascinating woman. The first woman uh, that we know of to run for president in the United States before it was even legal for women to vote, of course. So a really exciting period of time called the Gilded Age in New York. Um, and yeah, writing a brand new show about it um, has been just incredible. I don't know about you, but kind of getting back into a rehearsal room, getting back into a theatrical space in the theatre again tomorrow, uh, it's it's overwhelming. I forget mm. how much hard work it is. I love it. It's yeah. been really yeah. lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's lovely. Getting but it also it. means that uh, you and I are coming into this, uh, having had our first day off in what feels like months. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Uh, so maybe it was that. Maybe it was the fact that I was just grateful to be entertained rather than doing the, mm. the entertaining. Um, but but I loved this episode, even though it, it, everything there is loads wrong with it, and yeah. we'll go through it. But I, yeah. I'm really sorry, Sylvan. I think it's great. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and again, I, I will say that, uh, that this wasn't one that actually came from Sylvan, so he 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 may well enjoy this episode as well. We should say, but uh, uh, true majority of people uh, online and sort of message boards and things like that about moonlighting seem to uh not hold this episode in particularly high regard um are we gonna are we gonna do this now every week just do a little introduction about just how our week's been yeah we probably should let us know guys let us know if you yeah. like that or if you thought okay, absolute pretentious so and so just get to the point get to the point of what we've been paying you to talk about we yeah. don't care about your lives it's probably that isn't it yeah. That's probably what people will say. That but it's know. not real unless you put it on Twitter. No. Uh, so do that or get in touch via email. Yeah. Um, so anyway, looking at this episode, um, you we, we, we open with Maddie uh, walking into the office and everyone uh, is kind of lined up against... The, all, the, all the women in the office, I should say, yeah. lined up against the door to Maddie's office saying, Maddie, there's someone in your office. Um, mm-hmm. Which I found a bit confusing because... No, no, I don't think that's what happened. Do you think they were outside David's office? They were outside. And she, they were outside the door, and they just and Agnes oh, just referenced. She just said, Maddie's "There's someone waiting in your, in office. your office." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're but they're, they're outside yeah, David's office. They're all outside David's office, listening in because all the men are inside David's office, phoning a sex line. Yeah, or a slime line. Yeah, as they call it. Yeah, um, yeah, really bizarre. Um, but Maddie walks in and says, "What's all this about?" and reprimands everyone. Yeah. Um, and they explain that they were kind of have, having there was a wager between uh, David and one of the other employees about um, whether or not one of the uh, girls on the on the line was a real librarian or not. I right. think that was it. Something like that. Anyway, there's a lot of crosstalk, and just to uh, say that um, reminded me of uh, obviously as, as we've mentioned several times on this podcast uh you and i are big wrestling fans mm-hmm. and uh uh i'm a particular <laughs> fan of um a uh uh kind of online sort of uh wrestling news slash kind of commentary outlet called cultholic a group of british lads that uh do a lot of uh, uh yeah kind of wrestling based stuff uh journalism and, and uh reviewing wrestling episodes and things like that but they often do kind of wages uh on kind of pay-per-view events and whoever sort of gets the most matches wrong the outcome of most matches wrong uh that has to do a punishment and about a year ago one of the punishments was one of them had to phone up a sex line and but was given all the things to say that he had to get in there and it's all <laughs> wrestling references um it's absolutely hilarious very good yeah i thought you were going to mention the two wrestlers in AEW that of course are the librarians oh uh, yeah that's their whole gimmick because yeah. they come in and tell everyone to be quiet no, yeah, that's true um, i think that gimmick died it was, it was funny while it lasted yeah um yeah so we've got the uh david uh and and all the male uh members of the office phoning this sex line maddie's very upset about it and then what happens is yeah. what I've written as the <laughs> fastest bit of written dialogue in the history of time. And it's about five minutes of absolute quick fire dialogue. But I mean, quicker than moonlighting. I like, think, it's super quick. I think you'll enjoy my note for this. Yeah. I've just written. <laughs> Opening scene. Whole thing. Energy of Alec Baldwin in The Departed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's specifically that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like there is no breathing yeah. at all. Like it, it, it's it's quite incredible to watch, and like imagine how many takes that must have done because of how fast they're picking up on each other's cues as well. There is no pause in between one talking and the other talking, no. but yet they never talk over each other as well. Like it's it's so precise, yeah, uh, in its delivery that it's it's quite incredible. It is. It's phenomenal, and it kind of distracts you from the fact that it's kind of just nonsense. Yeah, uh, it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, but uh, it it leads them into Maddie talking about professionalism and David bringing the company down, as always, uh, is the kind of theme of moonlighting, right? Is that Maddie's trying to kind of talk about 
do you not regret any of the things that all the time you've wasted by having fun and messing around don't you want to do something meaningful what would you do if you look back on your life and you hadn't spent it you know yeah. properly uh, and david's going well actually i think this is properly because fun is a part of life yeah and then we're into that's our introduction right yeah. and then we're into a bit of plot yeah yeah uh and yeah so they're they're kind of having this back and forth and again it's something i really like about the fact that they they never prescribe to the characters that they should be because of other things we know about them so for example because we know that kind of david is this very sort of religious um uh almost kind of spiritual mm-hmm. person and maddie's very kind of pragmatic and pretty much an atheist and things mm-hmm. like that you'd imagine that david would be the character that kind of has more kind of uh ideas of like guilt and shame and things like that mm-hmm. and 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 would be more about kind of consequences of actions and things like that yeah whereas he's actually the one that's more of a nihilist even and, and more of a kind of like doesn't really worry about what he does nothing has any consequence day Mm -hmm. to day um which would be you would think normally would be more tropes of the kind of maddie character but actually no even though it's more she is someone it's more interesting the other way around yeah yeah Yeah. which is which is a kind of you know a bit of a moonlighting trait that always gives what's more interesting and entertaining to actually see it's more interesting that the fun loving freewheeling guy is actually also the one with quite a strong faith yeah and a belief in the afterlife and that kind of what Catholic upbringing yeah. um, that's hang- hanging around. Um, yeah, so they go into Maddie's office um, and, well, Maddie goes into her office yeah. uh, and immediately comes back out again um, yeah. uh, and says, uh, David, there's a there's a body in my office. Uh, well, no, she's, she says, um, uh, the guy in my office is dead. Yeah. And David says, well, we can't always get the best actors for the small roles. <laughs> yeah, it's completely... Which is one of many in this episode, breaking of the fourth wall. It's relentless. so much in this episode, how yeah. much it references it's a TV show, um, which I love. But again, I can see how other people don't like being taken out of, of it because a yeah. lot of people watch TV, film, theatre, whatever, for escapism. So I think people get quite annoyed about meta stuff, uh, yeah. whereas you and I love that kind of thing. Um and I think that's the point. I don't really watch TV to escape. No. Um, I, I watch it because it, it, it's an art form I like and I and therefore it's... In, I suppose like people watching football. Like yeah. I like watching people do what they do really well and then analysing what they how they do it. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. uh, like that, it's, it's a different way of watching. Things. Yeah. So yeah. So Guy's dead. They ask Agnes if, she, if he said anything, and she says, "Well, no, not really. Other than that, he was coming in here looking uh, for uh, a, bo- a bodyguard, mm-hmm. um, and that he had not a, a bit of a dodgy stomach." Um, and that was the last kind of thing he said. And he obviously, yeah, died in uh, Maddie's uh, office. Now, I'm not quite sure how this happened so quickly, but immediately paramedics arrive. Well, I think there is a, a moment where time could have passed okay. there's a cut yeah um where they're outside the office yeah so assuming time would have passed, but it's no there's no time passing sequence which yeah. there is later on which is why yeah. i found a bit confusing yeah uh, but yeah immediately the paramedics are in um, their whirlwind comedy routine kind of takes place well i was like is this is this a deliberate like self-referential comment on the pace of moonlighting because the paramedics come in and and are as fast as Maddie and David, and I was like, is this is this just an overall style, or I or is this almost a co- because it was almost comical? They literally come in, barely look at him, and go, right, he's dead. Yep, should we call it? Yep, time of death. Let's get the body out. Like, mm-hmm. and I was like, it feels like you're deliberately calling out how unrealistically paced TV shows are. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's either that, but I also because of stuff that's happened later on in the episode stylistically mm. i felt that there was a very heavy callback to kind of just at the beginning of the talkies comedy um, Yeah, there were moments Scroo- of like screwball comedy screwball comedy you know yeah. fr- fr- from from kind of uh, f- kind of you know the end of that silent era mm-hmm. uh, um uh, charlie chaplin and then in into the screwball comedy comedy of Groucho marx and yeah. and that kind of stuff the marx brothers um 
and and then it, it kind of took us through that period of kind of funny slapstick. Yeah. This is happening, and this is happening, this is happening, because the point yeah. is the gag and the routine rather than the realism. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I I think just kind of speaking more broadly about Moonlighting, um, I don't know if we've, we've mentioned this before in previous episodes, but Moonlighting has so much to kind of uh, 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 th- uh, thank to... Uh, like the old Cary Grant yeah. films and like, yeah, like His Girl Friday and those kind of, yeah, screwball rom-coms of the 30s and 40s. All those throwaway um, lines. Yeah, it happened one night. Um, and yeah, just uh, all that, where, where kind of the meet-cute came from and those kind of very yeah. early romantic comedies, like the pace of the dialogue in those films is very, very similar to Moonlighting and, and the whole structure of David and Maddie's relationship is is so much like an old 40s screwball rom-com. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it definitely, and this episode, I think in particular, I was like, that's there's so much of that in there. Yeah, and uh, almost kind of like early Jimmy Stewart as well. That, yeah, that, yeah. It, it's the rat a tat tat of It's that noise that we're used to, and you you know, often it's in the background on someone's watching a daytime TV film. Yeah, That's on. It's that noise that we associate with kind of American sense of humor. It's it's lovely, really lovely. Yeah, keeps the pace up. Um, so yeah, that kind of routine happens. Then they're waiting for the coroner, and yeah. Maddie's annoyed they're not taking the body. And we learn that Maddie's quite actually quite squeamish about it, and David's not. He's kind of totally at peace with the whole thing. Yeah, which is explained, you know, because he, he believes in an afterlife and yeah. he's in a better place now. Yeah, uh, it leads to some philosophical discussions. But um, there, there's a kind of classic TikTok kind of montage of time yeah. passing. Um, uh, and and then the coroners arrive. Yeah. Um, but again, there's another comedy routine when the comedy right because David's been left in the office on his own. Yeah. Uh, everyone else doesn't want to be around the dead body. They're all whispering outside because of the tension. Yeah. He comes out, uh, David, of the office um, and starts talking at normal volume and shocks everyone into laughing at the fact yeah. that they were whispering for no reason. Yeah. Isn't that silly? Yeah. Fine. That's the that's the joke. Then the coroners arrive and are confused that everyone's laughing. Oh, yeah. ha, 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 great, yeah. Yeah. misunderstood circumstances where you were laughing about the dead body. This is a bit weird. Yeah. And then they say, oh, no, we're here to collect the the, the dead body. Someone said there was a body here. And then yeah. there's another oh, laugh, yeah. which is that kind of like going one further, yeah. which is the thing that you probably wouldn't get in a, in a, in a screwball. It's that yeah. one little modern inflection of, of commentary upon that. Yeah. But I'm not even sure why the first gag in the first place was happening. No. But no. it... No, well, it's, it's it's mad. It's it's very, and I'm sorry to bring them up, but uh, it's very forced entertainment. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, who, it is. Uh, for those really of you point. who don't know, which will be all of you, uh, they are a um, uh, quite renowned, uh, uh, very divisive um, uh, kind of experimental theatre company that have been going for about 30, 40 years. Um, uh, but their whole thing is is to do with like repetition and pushing things to the point of them being nonsense and to the point mm-hmm. of them starting to actually kind of antagonize audiences um by just a complete repetition of the same thing and when you get to the third laugh in this that's all i thought about was oh you this is literally just to push the tolerance of an audience <laughs> yeah. of like how much they're with you and yeah. you're gonna know we're gonna do it again and this third time it doesn't is not related to anything it's just <laughs> a repetition of the joke that's been that wasn't really a joke in the first place yeah but it's rep- been repetition. It's been repeated so many times now that it has no meaning. Even, yeah, and it had no meaning to start with, and it somehow has less than no meaning <laughs> now. now yeah. which is just, yeah. Um, yeah. But it does feel like it's for the benefit of the the you know the artists pushing the audience to yeah. their limits, which is an interesting experiment. Yeah. Um. But yeah, quite divisive. Um. As it's meant to be. Uh, yeah. With regards to forced entertainment, interesting reference there. I can't believe you've got that into me. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. Though. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, so yeah, so then a, another man turns up. Mm-hmm. I've forgotten his name. Uh, yeah, no, I've forgotten his name as well because yeah. it wasn't really mentioned no. more than that first time. Yeah. Um, and I've um, got no concentration span. <laughs> but um, he he uh, uh, turns. Well, he comes in and claims that he uh, is a friend of Harry. Harry, which is the man who died. Yeah. Um, Harry Sefer. Sofa. Sofa. Harry Sofa. Uh, and uh, he said, yeah, I'm trying to find him. He he uh, wrote this address down um, in, in his office. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and then they obviously have to say very sorry your friend's passed away um it's quite shaken up and it explains that they had gone in together on a lottery ticket mm-hmm. and they'd won 12 million dollars but it had to be collected that day they'd cut uh ripped the lottery ticket in half mm-hmm. um because uh <laughs> a line i really liked here he said because we decided the best way to trust each other would be not to mm-hmm. <laughs> i really yeah. like that line um there's also another line about the fact that this is 12 million dollars that's a life-changing sum of money the type of money that turns uh uh, that makes monsters out of good and honest men. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is un- un- <laughs> like, unnecessarily well written, fine. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's just it's just a reminder again that the intelligence of this this writer yeah. is is so high. Yeah. Um, and really, yeah, really poignant. Um, and, of course, foreshadows an awful lot. So yeah. uh, we have uh, we have Maddie uh, uh, and David are put onto the task of finding... Yeah. the dead body who's been collected by the coroner in order to retrieve the other half of the lottery ticket in order to claim 10% of the 12 million winnings which would make uh, the Blue Moon Agency uh, $120,000. So yeah. the stakes are high, they've got a task, they know what they're doing. Yeah. We're back on to back, yeah. pretty formulaic procedural stuff. Procedural stuff. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they um, find his car in the lot of the Blue Moon Agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, manage to yeah obviously they, uh, uh, get into the car and they find his, uh, his address. So they go uh, there and speak to the lady that lives. Uh, I think she's like the landlady, but sort of lives in the in the flat underneath, but owns the building. Um, yeah. Because she yeah she mentions the fact that there was a break in in his apartment and the police had been there dusting for prints. Um, and she also mentions that two men smoking cigars turned up um looking to rent an apartment there but she didn't uh she doesn't have cigar smokers in her building mm-hmm. so so there's yeah so we've got this idea that there's these two people lurking around there was a break-in so something is, is it about this lottery ticket we mm-hmm. think that it's something to do with someone else is aware that he's coming to some money or about to and uh, yeah Maybe there's something yeah going on there. And he was inquiring about a bodyguard. Was that because he knew he'd won the money, or is yeah. it was something that happened before? Does he have ties to the, ties to the mob? Yeah. Questions to be answered. Yeah. Um, so then, what happens? I'm quite confused about mm-hmm. because it feels like this is the day after he died. May like maybe even the day of, like later it, that it day. It feels like it was later that night, later yeah. that evening. Yeah. But it, 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 I don't know how it can be. No, it can't be because of what we're about to say, which is they are now in a cemetery and they're at his grave. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if this is the case in America. I certainly don't know if this was the case in America in 1989. But I know that when um, my grandfather, I think it was, passed away... Um, and this would have been like mid noughties. Uh, I rem- I have a memory of my parents talking about the fact that it was going to take six months for the headstone to be finished. Wow! So because I think I remember asking, like, oh, why is why has he got a like a little temp like a cross rather mm-hmm. than a than a headstone? And they said, oh, because of the, like the engraving and everything. Like yeah. building a headstone takes quite a long time, and you. There's probably not that many headstone kind of um, what would you call them masons, I yeah. suppose. Uh, that that um, they probably have quite a backlog and things like that. So that's the average time is like three to six months, I think. So I imagine it's probably fairly similar um, in the states. Certainly, I don't think you'd have a headstone made in a in a day. And he, I don't think he certainly wouldn't be buried in a day because well, there's not been a funeral. When's the funeral? It's like, when, like two or three weeks. So that most in in most cultures, two or three weeks before you. Uh... Before you get, you know, buried. Yeah. This feels um, very much artistic license, but it's weird that with a show like Moonlighting, they wouldn't call themselves out on it. Yeah. Yeah. I was expecting a gag about it, but, but it never not. kind of came. Which makes me why. question, maybe there was something we missed. But, yeah. But yeah, don't know. So in the graveyard, they yeah. find the, the headstone yeah. of um, Harry Soffer. It's S-O-E-F-F-E-R, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, Soffer or Sofa, I can't, I can't remember. Um and they're, they're talking about whether they should dig up the body in order to find the other half of the lottery ticket. Yeah. And of course, David's fine about it, despite being a religious one. Yeah. Uh, and Maddie isn't fine yeah. about it because she's in the graveyard. She finds it creepy uh, and, and it's not worth it. But 
the decision is not actually made by them because at that point they are visited by two friends they are visited by two friends one night and they will show you the error of your ways <laughs> yeah they, they, it wasn't um, the ghost of christmas past no or the ghost of christmas future no it was it was two gangsters from a jimmy cagney film yeah like and i, I, was, I said to Cal, gangsters. Yeah, yeah, i said to Cal, right. as we were watching i was like why are these guys 1930s gangsters because they're not dressed as, i mean they're dressed kind of in suits so they're sort of timeless uh and i said to Callum, is it the positioning of how they're holding their guns because they they turn up they're obviously bad men they're smoking cigars so we know these are the people that were referenced by the landlady earlier on um and they, they're pointing the guns at maddie and david from holding them up but they're but they're holding the guns sort of with <clears throat> their their upper arm to like into their bodies so mm-hmm. it's only the lower arm that's extended with the gun rather than having your whole arm extended and pointed mm-hmm. out. And I think that's what it is. I think that's a very old-fashioned way of, 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 like, old gangster movies would hold their arm with the gun quite close to their body. Well, you say old gangster. I think the reason for old gangsters doing that mm. is because it happens in scenes where they're often in in public or in a place so where they don't want so to that, show that they're a gunman right, but they want yeah. to show the person they're pointing it at that they've got a gun i see so i think that it's like out of the trench coat you know mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. actually if you were looking at it from a distance you probably wouldn't see that there was a gun coming out. i think that's where it comes from right so gangsters kind of shoot from the hip right yeah but you're right in no one does that anymore no why did why does that why is that not a thing anymore yeah um and yeah, it, it put them very. <laughs> exactly. It's a really interesting observation. Why. Yeah, but that's going to help me out next time. I'm kind of working with someone, going, "How? Why? What's wrong with your body language? Why don't I believe you're a '30s gangster?" Because um, I work at a lot. Of I was going to say you've got a yeah, you've got a, a slate of '30s gangster. Oh, they just don't. Shows yeah, that you've got to be working gotta keep on. keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, that's where the money is. Yeah. Um. So yeah, great, good, good observation. Maybe. Mm-hmm. You we could get some kind of consultancy job on uh, City of Angels musical because oh, that would be wonderful a 1930s gangster musical that's going to open in the West End very soon yeah so maybe if we go we'll go to a preview yeah and we'll we'll have a little look and and hopefully mm-hmm. they they haven't done that and then we can contact uh, the producers yeah uh, the, the Donmar yeah. and say guys got something for you here yeah we need, you need to get us in so we can explain how to properly yeah. hold a gun. I think we could probably do that. Mm. Rosalie Craig, Hadley Frazier, starring in that show, yeah. live very very near us. Yeah, live around here. Yeah. Um, I don't know where exactly, No, but if I saw them in the street, which I often do, maybe I could just stop them and try and get us in that way. Yeah, do you know what you should do? You should use a gun. <laughs> yes, yeah. but yeah. hold them up from the hip. And then they'd yeah. go, oh, what are you doing? And I'd say, yeah. hmm. Very thirties, right? Yeah, and they say, "God, how did you know?" Yeah, and don't worry, I'm here to help. Exactly. Here's my associate, David Chopland. <sighs> there we go. Yeah, and then we go into roasted bean, have a coffee. What's happened? What's happened? What, what have I been? Have I been hiding? Oh, you like, behind a the... bush. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and, then, and I just kind of pop out. But... Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah with the works. with the business card. With the business, yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm also holding the business card from the hip. Oh yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. we're holding everything from the hip, right? <laughs> yeah of course yeah it's the whole yeah, thing yeah in the 30s yeah, they, they sure. also i didn't explain <laughs> also in society you couldn't lift your uh arms above the waist you had to everything hinged at the elbow <laughs> your shoulders weren't really a thing to be honest i'm not sure if people really had shoulders in no, their, well, no you ever heard of anyone having a shoulder replacement in the 30s no i don't really think anyone had shoulders until the early 1980s when shoulder pads came in that, obviously of course that makes yeah. perfect sense yeah yeah fashion yeah. dictating biology once again yeah so they uh are holding up maddie and david and uh they make them dig the grave they make them dig the grave and then it cuts to maddie and david uh it up to their necks in yeah. the, the uh, they, so obviously so well they finish digging the finished grave digging, they're gonna yeah. go and then they say no you've got to stay they hold yeah. them up again from yeah. the hip from the, yeah then yeah it cuts to uh yeah yeah quite right they're buried up they're to their neck, up their neck yeah in um in the grave 
in the empty grave. It, We're it, now it, missing Harry Sofa, who's gone, who's been taken by, by the cigar smokers. The cigar smokers, yeah. Now, I said to you at this point, it reminded me very specifically of Samuel Beckett. Mm. I was saying it's kind of both Endgame and the other one, which you reminded me was uh, Happy Days. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know if anyone out there is a huge Samuel Beckett fan, but in Endgame, I'm specifically picturing the Miriam Margulies when she when she did it um, yeah. uh, image. Um, I can't remember who who the guy the guy's name. Um, it's it's a uh, lot of things. Wonderful. Actor. Oh yeah, sorry. I would say the character is is like it's like Megan Mog, Megan Mog, something yeah, like that, isn't yeah. it? Uh, Megan, it's not Megan Mog because that's the kids' book yeah. about the cat and the witch. Yes, it is. You're right. Yeah. I think it's Megan. Megan Mog. Yeah. Do you think Megan Mog was named after Samuel Beckett's characters in Endgame? Mm-hmm. I also think that we need to clarify that we are talking about the playwright and not the character from Quantum Leap. Yeah, of course, but the character from Quantum Leap obviously named after uh, Samuel Beckett, the playwright. Well, it's jury's out which way around. It's um. <laughs> so they're buried up to the neck and sand, and it's yeah. a kind of weird, deliberate—I think deliberate—kind of homage mm. to that because they then talk nonsense over each other and to each other for about two, three minutes. Yeah, and there's no yeah. nothing happens in that. We don't learn no. anything. No. Uh, David starts singing the, a song from, from Cabaret, Cabaret, the yeah. title track from the musical Cabaret. Yeah. Yeah, um, which is not the first time we'll hear this. A dog comes over and starts licking David's face. Yeah, Maddie starts barking like a dog. Yeah, and gets the dog the to dog the dog away. Yeah. But but that's exactly the type, all the type of weird things that that would kind of. It, it was really weird. It was really yeah. weird yeah. and quite uh, surreal. Surreal. It was yeah. very surreal. Yeah. Um, not the most surreal thing that happens in this episode. No, but it was a very surreal thing. No. Um, then the sprinklers come on. They're like, how can it get any worse? No. Oh, no. No, no something else happens. Something else happens. Is So the, the dog business happens. And then the cemetery attendant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the night watchman. Night watchman of the cemetery. Come, uh, comes along with a torch. Comes along with a torch. Sees them. With their heads talking. With their heads talking. And uh, faints. Yeah. Immediately like, oh. collapses. Yeah. And then and they then say, how can they get anywhere? Now, it doesn't explain how they got out of it. I... We just cut then to Maddie and David being out of the out of the thing. But I, my theory here is, right? Hold your, just hold your horses for a second. So I, I want to talk about sprinklers. Yeah, well, I think the sprinklers are what loosens the mud to get them out. But they don't reference it. I don't care about that, do you? I do, because I had that same thought of how did they get out of that. I assumed that it was just that... The guy, like, when you faint, you, you're okay in a couple of minutes. So I just imagined that the no, I think guard he died. came to... You think he died? You yeah. had a heart attack and died? Yeah. Okay. Because everyone's dying, isn't it? That's the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, that is the there. gag. I did wonder that, but I... Yeah, but my, my assumption was that he came to and, and helped them out. Maybe. Um, but I, I do like yours more. Um, no, I, was, I just wanted to talk about um, when we were in Texas was the first time that I properly really experienced like american sprinklers kind of coming on mm. and i just remember it being a very like oh this is, this what... is like in the movies yeah. sprinklers we don't have automatic not, sprinklers in this country do we not re- not that i can remember i mean may- may- maybe like kind of like sort of going to like a, a rich friends of my parents like for a dinner party or something and maybe they had some in their garden but I don't. Ha- I. I. What I do have is a memory of thinking when I was in Texas, being like, "I. This is the first time I've really experienced sprinklers." Yeah, and it just felt very American. Yeah, it's a really good point. It's very American. Get in touch if you're uh, uh, an American. Are automated sprinklers are pretty much a given wherever you are? Is it uh, something a reserve of the rich and famous and wealthy, uh, or? Uh, if you're British, is is this something you've experienced in England? Yeah. Um, and French, of course, a huge part of our listeners come from France, mm-hmm. uh, not excluding you. No. Uh, let us know. Let us know. Tweet, Gmail, you know, you know how to do it. Let us know. Absolutely. So they get out of the grave. They get out of the grave. Covered in mud. Covered in mud. And now, where are they going? They, they break into a... Is it Harry? Is it Harry's apartment? I think they go back to Harry's. Because they, they're breaking in through a bathroom window. Yeah. Uh, and David fall, falls headfirst into a toilet. Well, he's sort of pushed by Maddie because he's 
she's giving making, him a boost yeah he's well yeah start giving him a boost and then he makes some comment about them needing to shower together and then he's like oh bring bring one of your friends and the three of mm-hmm. us can dry each other off or something and so she yeah pushes him in um and he falls headfirst in the toilet um and then there's a weird weird exchange which where if he, that happened he would yeah. have a broken neck i mean it's again another bit of complete unseen surreal yeah. surrealness um but and then there's a weird exchange where he says where he says why is it that people always put toilets underneath windows and she says oh more light to read by but it's said in the way of a, of a setup and a punchline. Mm-hmm. But neither, but neither that's what neither of those things were. It was just to state a question and a genuine p- possible guess of an answer of why that is. But it was said yeah. in the, as if it was a joke, and I was like, "Am I missing a joke here?" But I don't think there is a joke there. Well, I, I, it's odd, isn't it? It's a silly response because if the reason why toilets are by windows would they be more likely to read by? Is that well, that's forgetting the invention of electricity yeah. and modern toilets yeah. being pretty much hand in hand with that? Yeah. I, I don't think that I don't think it's a I don't think it's a good response no. if it was genuine. So I yeah. think it it is a snarky remark, right? Or is it just an Stop. acknowledgement that everyone reads on the toilet and that's the most important thing when you're designing a bathroom is that you it, you create a good room to read in, right? I, either way, it's a weak gag. Yeah, um, one of very few that Moonlighting kind of have. I don't know why why it happened. But it no, did. It did. It did. It didn't bother me. No. It just went, nah, that's weird. No. Um, so they, they, and then they go into the living room and it, obviously it's, it's in the middle of the night, everything's mm-hmm. dark. Maddie says, oh, David, you just tripped me. And he says, no, I didn't. She goes, you just put your leg out and tripped me. Yeah, why would he do? Why, <laughs> why would well, you be so convinced of that? Because he, 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 I could see him doing that. Maybe. Um, I see Bruce Willis doing that as well, actually. Yeah. He tripped me once. Did he? Mm. He's a terrible... He wouldn't do it in the middle of the night, though. No. He's a day tripper. He is. He's got one-way ticket. Um, And uh, they turn the lights on, and the body of Harry is sat there. They can't get away from this dude. No, on the sofa. Um, And they notice there's a camera set up. Yeah. And they look at the camera, and they... See, it's pointed at Harry's arm, and Bruce, yeah. but, uh, uh, David notices that he's got a very distinctive tattoo on his mm-hmm. arm. Mm-hmm. They're going, "Oh, I wonder what that's about." Um, anyway, they're having a little think about that. What's going yeah. on here? What, what they're seeing, you know, investigating as PIs do. Yeah. When they hear footsteps at the door, yeah, it's the cigar twins. It's the cigar twins. So uh, very smartly, they lock themselves in, and they're about to jump back out the window again. Mm-hmm. When David insists that they take the body of Harry. Yeah. with them and Maddie says why and he says well I don't want to leave them because whatever those cigar smokers are going to do There's, to it, yeah. it it's not right we should be with the body and kind of mm-hmm. guard the body mm-hmm. um, which again it's this kind of religious thing it's like it's important yeah. to him that Harry is treated with dignity and there's a very interesting line here where Maddie says something along the lines of like uh, I wish when you died you just disappeared mm-hmm. death would be a lot easier without dead bodies to deal with or something yeah. which i thought oh, i've never thought of before that's interesting it would be wouldn't it be more convenient if yeah that if we lived in a magic land is that i don't really know what she's getting at but. i guess yeah i mean i i guess it's the idea that it, it's a it's obviously a very physical reminder that 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 body is is no longer in, inhabited i mm-hmm. guess by of someone that you love or have a connection to um i remember my uh uh i think it was my mum again i think when, when my grandfather passed talking about uh going into hospital and seeing you know kind of saying goodbye after he passed and talking about how yeah. he looked like a completely different but like unrecognizable yeah. like yeah. the person is gone and it's just and it's a body there and it's really odd yeah definitely it doesn't look like that person that there's just something there that because that essence has gone they almost look unrecognizable um so maybe yeah saying like without that yeah yeah i think that is a really common thing my parents both found that with their parents and yeah um my my mum actually says that she thinks she she kind of felt the soul of her dad leave his body well my my mum says that she saw um uh, when my i think it was when my dad's mum passed away uh and they were all kind of i think in the room when it happened and uh my mum says she she knows that she saw like some sort of 
like either butterfly or moth like fly out of the mouth of my wow. uh, grandmother when she passed. Um, and uh, yeah, she said obviously because she, she was very upset and close to her, but because she wasn't, you know, it was her, she was her daughter-in-law. Yeah, she wasn't quite on the, you know, she was there for the others more because they're and they're grieving for the loss of their mum or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, so she was sort of slightly removed, which is why she was saw it, you know. Yeah. Um, and they they were all kind of not really there to see it. Um, so that's yeah, very interesting. And and there's uh, that's quite common, specifically a a butterfly-like creature. That's wow. you read a lot about that. People seeing that as the essence of someone's life, kind of yeah. Going. So weird, isn't it? Very interesting. Yeah. Um. So I guess yeah, I guess that's what she's kind of saying is that. That's where the trauma, that's why death is difficult to deal with. Yeah, I mean, that's why I've always thought, I think, when I get to an age where you start thinking about wills and things like that, I've always said I think I'd like to be cremated Mm -hmm. because I like there's something that I don't like about leaving a burden for like the people you leave behind to have to like go and visit your grave and put flowers Mm -hmm. on it and be a kind of reminder, like just like, no, like scatter somewhere and then, you know, just move on. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, think that's probably a wise decision yeah 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 either that or viking burial ah oh, amazing like long long boat set me on fire bring sent off down the river yeah whatever happens someone someone's you know three miles down the river yeah. the next morning someone goes out <laughs> getting their paper and there's a a complete wreckage of a burnt cinderous embered boat mm-hmm. blackened by the flames and a smelly dead body rotting away, having been burnt. Yeah. To, I, I mean, no one ever, no one ever thinks about it, though, when they do no. like burials. It's like when they send off lanterns at New Year, mm. you know, and it just does plays a havoc with the environment. You shouldn't do that, you know. Send you know, lanterns off into the sky, and you shouldn't be sending dead bodies down rivers. Do you know what I'd love? I mean, it's it's it wouldn't be possible, but I would love if, like, just sheer bad luck, whenever it happened all the lanterns just kept ending up in one person's garden. <laughs> yeah. It was just that person every year. Oh, lanterns yeah. again. It would be good, but it also, I think that's a lot of lanterns. <laughs> like, that's going to set fire to the house. <laughs> yeah. yeah True. That would be horrendous. True. But yeah, I mean, the, I've long said this about the Vikings. You know, they talk about their green policies and they won't adjust their cultural practices to keep in line with it. And I just think that's... <laughs> you have said that about the Vikings a lot. It's an issue. Yeah, it's absolutely. An issue. I'm not saying what the right answer is. It's not for me to say. No. But they've got to have this discussion at some point. Otherwise, he's going to be held up as a bit hypocritical. And they, they won't win, his, win any seats. So they take the body. They take the body. Yeah. Um, And they take it back to Maddie's house. Yeah. Maddie says, what, having this discussion about life and mortality and death. Yeah. And, uh, Harry's in the back uh, dead, dead body in the back and uh, she says we're not going to the this isn't the way to the coroner's this isn't the way to police station no, she says no, no we're no, going to yours yeah uh, they go to Maddie's and they attempt to put the body into the freezer yeah uh, that Maddie has in her yeah. basement however they are interrupted once again by the two cigar smokers they are indeed here they are with their guns yeah this time mm-hmm. one of them is extending yeah. the gun a not from a the lip, hip a little it's kind of out, yeah. but not like out, not like fully out. eye level. No, it's like maybe the arms come from. <laughs> well, they've got no shoulders, have they? So no, the arm, yeah. the arm is coming the out. The arm of is middle, coming out of the yeah, in line with the belly button. Yeah, of the and yeah, that's how the humans torso. were made, direct from the torso. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's where the arm is coming from that time. Um, so yeah, and then they. Uh, tie maddie and david up with pantyhose um and i don't like saying pantyhose okay put them in the it felt really weird but it's it's very american it it? is very with tights with tights Um, they tie them up with pantyhose yeah um and uh put them in maddie's shower i think it's because panties are rude word in in america like it's not rude but you know Knickers, you right. know, is a, is a traditionally rude word in Britain. So is, you know. so is ho. And ho, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And yeah. ho is a rude word. Yeah. And put together, I feel like I'm, you know, being naughty by mm. hearing those said, even though they're <laughs> together. No. They, that's a very just practical, a normal yeah. garment. Just yeah. tights. Tights aren't rude. Doesn't make me feel weird. No. But um, I think it's a lot of repression there, isn't there? Probably take that to the therapist. Probably. Probably about time you spent as a Christian. 
I think it probably is. Mm. Yeah. No yeah. fear of death. No. There you go. Um, so then there's a really overt euphemistic scene that happens here yeah. where they are attempting to untie each other by like biting the tights off each other's like first off each other's faces to get their mouths mm-hmm. free which is obviously like very close to them kind of kissing mm-hmm. um and and then they realize then they think oh if we get the pantyhose wet we can slip out of them um and then so they do that and then they're like wait we need lubrication so mm-hmm. gets the managers to shimmy the kind of shower gel into in like between them and then he's like we have to squeeze and then they're pressing their bodies together and then of course the shower gel shoots up and looks like something else very rude yeah uh and i was like my, like this is quite <laughs> it's good it's not that hidden what this is meant to be it's not meant to be hidden is it it's meant no. to be a a, a vert, but, but i also... found that quite sort of risk i thought quite risky especially the shower gel it was a bit okay that's very clear what that's meant to be yeah um the one thing that saved it for me because it was just i was like why is this going on far too long this is very weird was that the fact that maddie eventually starts laughing at the whole thing and how ridiculous it is And it is ridiculous. What's more ridiculous is that Maddie's actually got a free hand for all of this and could just use it. <laughs> like she, uh, she, she just wasn't tied up very well on the left hand, and it's kind no. of like not using it in order to make the gags work. But, but yeah, it's nice it's... to see her laugh at the whole situation. It's always nice for David when he gets to break Maddie. It's hard to tie people up when your arms don't come from your shoulders. That's why they weren't as good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also in the thirties, yeah, they would have all been made from nylon. A lot stronger. Yeah. These days, it's all polyester. It is all polyester. Yeah. Yeah. Not not all, but no. You could got to pay though. You yeah. Got to pay. Got to pay. The nose for it. For yeah. Cotton tights. Cotton silk. Silk tights. Silken. Silken tights. Silken tights. Hello, I'm silken tights. Um. <laughs> so yeah, then so they get free. Yeah. And where do they, where do they go? What happens then? Because all I want to do is go to the thing that we need to spend a lot of time on. Um, they get because... free. Sorry, yeah, they go, they to, go the to the freezer. freezer. They go to the freezer. Harry, they've taken Harry. Oh, the... Harry's not in the freezer Harry's anymore. Harry's not in the freezer. We a... knew that because that's yeah. what they were there to do. A scuffle ensues. Oh. No. Uh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, but we've missed a very important we thing. We have missed a very important thing. When David was putting Harry in the freezer, he had his sunglasses on. Yeah. And saw through his sunglasses that Harry's tattoo yeah. revealed something very special. So yes. remember when the guy was setting, there was someone who set up a camera to take a picture of Harry's arm tattoo. Why they needed his body is because his tattoo reveals the plans for some kind of naval uh, engineering structural uh, architectural plans, which would somehow take over the kind of shipping routes yeah. of most of North America. Yes. That is right. And yes, and the two cigar people are after those plans. After those plans. They they were work they they're working for the government, but the government don't know that they've doing this kind of underhand. They're they're basically like kind of rogue FBI agents, yeah. aren't they? And the other guy that said he was a friend is actually a rival and trying to get those plans. And when we see the other guy who's a friend, we're referring to the guy we don't know the name of, who yeah. said he had About won the lottery, lottery with Harry. Which was not yeah. true. It was all a lie. It was a ruse. It was a ruse um, to try and get a hold of Harry and get a hold of this tattoo. So that Everybody. becomes apparent. So that's all... Yeah, that all, that all happens. I cannot remember the order of all those things happening. Yeah. But, we, but that has all happened. Um, there's a struggle now because the yeah. two cigar people come back. Yeah. The other guy is there as well. He explains that one of the reasons why the camera was set up was because he was trying to take a photo of Harry's arm to get yeah. the plans, which yeah. wouldn't have worked. Yeah. But also, when I thought that was going to be the plot point, was that, oh, you needed to look at it through sunglasses yeah. to make it work. So yeah. I don't care if it doesn't make sense, but no. it, it makes sense within the world. Yeah. But no, he went, oh, no, I left the lens cap on. I'm like, well, na- well okay, now yeah. you've lost all credibility as a villain. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's some more bits of, of meta in this bit as well. Number one, when they first get him into the freezer mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, they find the tattoo. 
Um, oh yeah bruce willis is like oh do you think this is um an important plot point yeah yeah uh, yeah or sorry my name's like, oh could this be something like important and bruce willis says uh, are we are we in the third act yeah and he's like yeah and he goes well yeah then i think it definitely is <laughs> yeah. um and then there's also a bit uh where he's like oh you'll never get away with this and he's like we well, yeah we will you know you'll you'll we'll kill you or we'll get rid of you yeah. no and he says what what do you mean there's loads of cameras everywhere this is all being filmed this is all being yeah. filmed <laughs> which completely breaks it in a way that yeah. like really just take, takes the absolute nonsense the biscuit there but in this struggle in the struggle maddie is knocked to the hit in, on the head with a gun yeah um knocked out not the floor. unconscious and then wh- where do we begin what I, happens is essentially I, a dream sequence. Yeah, which where... I can only assume they got David Lynch to come in and do. Oh, because it I... is so Lynchian. Yeah, like there's bits where I swear I, I don't know if you noticed this, but I swear some of it must have been done backwards and then rewound to make it look like it was like like he does in Twin Peaks. Yeah. Because the way I was watching the way that some of them were walking, when it gets to the weird people with the big noses and chins, yeah. the way they walk doesn't make sense. And also the way that Harry walks doesn't. It, it's it's wrong. Yeah. But it's forward, but it's wrong. And so I was like, I think that's them walking backwards, but they're playing the footage re- rewound. So it looks yeah. like they're walking forwards, but it's jerky. It's either that or what you could do sometimes is is try and shoot it in the same frames per second that they would have done back in kind of like uh, gem expressionist grand guignol yeah like uh, caligari kind caligari, of so style, that you yeah. haven't got as many frames per second yeah so it maybe jobs a little it's bit. that maybe it was that but, um, do you remember the advert for the judderman the, yeah. the ballet dancer this for is, the shop yeah, this is not the first time we've referenced that advert. it's one of the most influential things yeah. that's ever been made yeah in my life certainly yeah. um uh that beware the judgment my dear that is shot that way isn't yeah. it and that's yeah. that jerky way and i don't yeah. know which one it is it was it was when we were talking about the coonskin cap episode oh, yeah. and there was a weird bit of shadow puppetry in that episode for no yeah, reason there so is it's very it is very judgment yeah. yeah um so yeah so maddie gets out of a lift and is in like a hellscape version of the office it's like she's kind of going to the afterlife and now she's yeah. like to either meet heaven or hell yeah. you know yeah um, um and she's wandering around and it's very like it's weird that this episode came out on valentine's day because it feels like a halloween episode now it's a halloween it, episode it, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so i don't know why it's out in february um but she sees the disembodied head of agnes mm-hmm. which is really horrible she answers a phone but then looks at the phone and the phone is a hand yeah um there is uh there's lots of weird sort of ghouls and things and, and they then all she do this up... amazing like that's happening in the office right yeah and she goes into her office and the body of harry is there and then yeah. it comes to life and starts dancing with her and that's when i was like okay this is now david lynch because yeah. it is so surreal and the way he's moving is really odd and off-putting. he's amazing yeah he's been a dead body for the whole episode yeah and he is uh, um, um, just the choreography, the way he moves. Yeah. He's, again, like someone who must have studied some of that old stuff, you know? Yeah. All those old film references, the silent movie stuff, the, the, it's balletic and it's creepy and it's European, Russian. It's, it's, like, it's like Song of the Goat came in. <laughs> <and it's weird. laughs> oh, God. I tell you what physical theater fans are going to love this episode <laughs> Forced song of the game forced entertainment yeah brilliant um yeah it's really impressive but he he kind of comes out and starts dancing with her to music that you can't hear or music that yeah. isn't the one that we're that we're being played because yeah. what happens at this point is the the music this underscore starts to incorporate the tune <laughs> that we heard earlier yeah. from the mouth of bruce willis which is yeah. the title theme from cabaret yeah yeah, and it's like a really dark, weird, yeah, uh, you know, uh, a tonal version of cabaret. Yeah, and he dances, kind of waltzes her, uh, yeah. Maddie, into 
what is suddenly a huge studio soundstage yeah. where it's a graveyard mm-hmm. and he introduced her to more ghouls and goblins who yeah. were, have got funny little weird. faces. So, yeah, so there's, there's, there's weird, there's these two weird people that are, that are hairless. In imps. Yeah. Like, and they've got fake chins and fake noses. Yeah. And they're very long. Yeah. And they, yeah, move again in a very strange way. Yeah. Um, great, great movement there. Yeah, they're trying to all trying to get her into a grave. And then eventually, all these other people are there, all kind of very dark, and, and there is a hellscape. Yeah. Um, and then the Grim Reaper comes. Yeah. Um, who is very much like the Ghost of Christmas feature. You know? He is, um, he is. Uh, yeah. Huge, tall kind of thing. And then that turns out, and he chucks, uh, he turns out to be David, Bruce yeah. Willis, under the uh, hood, and he chucks Maddie into the grave, and then they close the coffin on her, and she's saying, no, David, no, 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 no. Yeah. And then she wakes up. And then she wakes up. And where is she? She's in the hospital. In Don's L'Hopital. Yeah. And David's there, and it kind of explains what happened. Uh, happened that she, you know, was hit on the head with a gun. Yeah. Um, perfectly good gun, he says. Yeah. yeah. Ruin, ruin good on the head with a good revolver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, the doctor, uh, or maybe it was nurse. I'm not quite sure. Comes in. I think it was a doctor, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure. No. Um, comes in uh, and He's got a lot of whimsy. This guy, though. Yeah. Which belies his energy uh, completely as he yeah. came in and looked very kind of surly and serious. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And then talks to her as if she's an eight-year-old girl. It's very odd. It really, really bizarre. And it, I, I feel like it's one of the first times that we've, we've had... The, it's, a, it's a David or Maddie line. Yeah. No one could say what he says. He talks about, oh, we're going to... Hey, let's, you know, double-check you're okay and uh, we're going to have you an X-ray. You know, let's shine a light into your brain and see if all your marbles are there. And yeah. Like, Oh, fine. And then he goes off and uh, is gonna. They're wheeling her down, down the corridor to take her to an X-ray. Yeah. Um. And alongside her, um. That's it. That's all we hear from him. So it's not setting up any characters. I don't know no. why that happens. And then all the other dead bodies. Uh, yeah. So so not just Harry, mm-hmm. but also the other guy that we can't remember the name of, yeah. and the two Lottery cigar man. smokers are yeah. all dead. And she <laughs> she looks over and says, "What is this? The last act of Hamlet?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, famous for having a bloodbath scene where everybody dies. Yeah, um, everybody dies. So um, yeah, um, and it's kind of David and Maddie. He's comforting her, um, and I don't really know how they all died. Uh, there was a shootout. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's easy there enough. was a shootout. Um, they all killed each other, and they all killed each other. Um, and that's that. And then there's a denouement where David says, "You've got me thinking." Uh, about all this stuff, and he's like, "You're the close." They're back in the office. Yeah, so. I was going to say uh, the next the next day, the next and he's day, checking on her. Yeah, and uh, he's uh, written um, his kind of last will and testament, sort of thing. I don't know if it's his full will, but his kind of wishes for yeah. what he wants uh, her to do if he dies first. Um, and she's very touched by it and everything. And he says, "You might want to give it a gander just to yeah, make sure." Yeah. That you're and, clear on everything. And uh, obviously we don't know what it says, but we can kind of guess that it's something probably a little bit crude. Something about her being naked or something. Yeah, because she just looks at it and laughs and kind of shakes her head as she does. Um, yeah. And he's like, oh, what? Don't you, wouldn't you want me to die with a smile on my face? Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's the end of the episode. I mean, it just to say it's lost its way would be <laughs> an understatement. Like... It starts minute... without direction, and it kind of goes down from yeah. there. The... In terms of structural storytelling, which which Moonlighting are so good at, yeah, um, and, and how much we love structure and, and love yeah. talking about it, it's, there's no rules. They've just completely thrown everything out the window. The 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 minute you get into the dream sequence, it it honestly feels like the re- that all of the episode that happened before becomes completely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I I no, it doesn't. I don't feel like anything matters anymore other than this very odd David Lynch film that you've put into the last 10 minutes of this episode. I feel like um, Gordon uh, Caron mm-hmm. um, was was approached by the network and they said, we want you to do a special Valentine's episode of Moonlighting. And he went, <laughs> no. And they yeah. went, okay, I tell you what, we'll give you 
an extra $500,000 for this episode if you do something special for Valentine's Day. And he went, okay, and then <laughs> forgot about it and then wrote half an episode and then put the dream sequence in there. And when there you are, that's your Valentine's Day. Yeah, because he's uh, I'm, I'm imposing this on Gordon Curran here, but mm. I think maybe he's thinking uh, he, maybe he doesn't celebrate Valentine's Day. Yeah, or celebrates it in the traditional sense, which is uh, solemnly honouring the martyrdom of St. Valentine. Um, and how better to do that than with a very twisted, lynchian, gory, guangrignol dream sequence where ghouls and goblins throw you to your grave? Well, there's no better way to. There isn't a better way. There's it's no the best way. way. It is the best way. And obviously, Karen knew that. Yeah. Um, look, there we go. It, I, I say I, it went downhill from there. I'm saying some negative things here. Yeah. Because all that's true. And I have to be objectively acknowledging yeah. of that. Yeah. It did not spoil my enjoyment of this episode. No, one no, jot. I, no, I, I, I uh, really enjoyed the, the nonsensical journey that yeah. I was taken on. Um, it's utterly surreal and inconsequential to anything. But uh, yeah, I, I... It's great fun. But at the same time, I I can see why it's in those lists for sort of people that that like ordinary TV and the and yeah. rules of television. Yeah. Um. And because it, it's it's a mad it's a mad messy episode. Theatrical um, meta, constant really breaking it. of the the fourth wall. Yeah. Um. But also one thing that it does have in terms of its through line is what Moonlighting always does. Which is create a wonderful uh, musicality of text, which kind of soundscapes and uh, the whole episode. So it's hourly, it's lovely to listen to because it's yeah. wonderful words spoken spoken by wonderful actors at, at breakneck speed. Um, so it's kind of like a nice concert. So even if I didn't even speak English, I think I'd still enjoy the sound of moonlighting. Yeah. The other thing uh, that, that I think is probably more prominent is the philosophical discussion and the nature yeah. um, of existential threat, death, uh, imposing, imposing, impending doom. Yeah. I think when you think about 89, you're coming to the end of a decade of excess and frivolity and the celebration of shallow uh, hedonism, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I just and and you and before you kind of get into slightly more conservative, um, financially conservative time for America, but yeah. also in in Britain, you know, when you have Thatcher and Reagan coming into, okay, what are we going to do with all that mess that was created, mm -hmm. and what does it actually mean? And I think for the characters of Maddie and David, in particular, with their positionality and where they are as middle class white people with money not being really a problem. Yeah, they've got this luxury of being able to think. What does it all mean? What's it all for? Where are we all going? Yeah, and for me, that's always going to be an interesting discussion to be had. Much more so than than the plot point. I mean, very early on in the episode, I think uh, uh, Bruce Willis refers to Harry, uh, look, looks down at him, and says, um, "Wait, hang on a minute. Is this part of a case or a plot point needed to be uh, discovered or ne needed yeah. to be resolved?" Yeah. Um, and it's this idea of needing resolution that, yeah. of course, those characters never can because their questions are always far too big and existential. Yeah. Um, but the episodes and the plot points can be resolved. In this particular one, the plot point and isn't resolved. So no. it's the first time that, that the structure of the show perfectly mirrors the ongoing discussions of Maddie and Yeah. And, that, and, and that's my little theory. I, I love that. I completely agree. Great. Yeah. There we go. There we are. That's moonlighting. There we are. Another moonlighting down. Um, yeah. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, let us know about sprinklers. Let us know about uh, whether you liked us just faffing around talking about our week at the beginning of the podcast. We, we can make that a regular little segment. I mean, has it come from the fact that um, you said you, you, you regularly in one of your producing gigs... Um, uh, start a weekly discussion a core meeting mm. with talking about yourselves yeah a um, little check-in and it's a nice sort of check-in it's yeah. like you and i doing a check-in with the audience but this yeah. week because we haven't seen each other all week despite living in the same house because yeah. of our hours um it's been nice for us to check in with each other absolutely yeah. absolutely so um let us know about that and yes and you can of course let us know uh in all the usual ways. So that is uh, on Twitter at Macabre Podcaster, on Facebook, fb.me forward slash podcast macabre, or via email, uh, podcastmacabre at gmail.com. 
And of course, do like, share and subscribe to this podcast, to the Jonathan Creek podcast and all that good stuff on uh, Google Play, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from. In the meantime, I have been Callum Hughes. I've been David Shopland. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.